you see where your business can go. To get there, you may need another 10 trucks. At Century Insurance, we put more than 115 years of industry experience to work to help protect you as you launch a new delivery service or expand into a new region and reach your business goals. Century, right by you. Property and casualty coverages are underwritten and safety services are provided by a member of the Century Insurance Group, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. For a complete listing of companies, visit Century.com. Policies, coverages, benefits, and discounts are not available in all states. See policy for complete coverage details. Hey gang, we've grown accustomed to wearing masks. If you're like me, you have several. Some of them have ties. Some have elastic. Uh, some fit over our heads like a sleeve. Uh, maybe yours are color keyed to your outfit. And maybe you have disposable utilitarian kinds. Some are embellished with the logos of your favorite teams. Some maybe with your favorite schools. Someone, I've seen a few that are just downright silly. They've got like animal noses on them or, or puppy tongues sticking out of the front. I don't even want to go down that path. Anyhow, masks are part of our culture and they're part of many people's culture throughout history. In some cultures, masks serve as a veil uh, to indicate purity. In some cultures, they're used to ward off evil spirits during festivals. Some cultures use them as an integral part of their theater performances. Some of us believe that they are a protection from infection. Perhaps we wear them for the safety of others. They shield us. They hide our smiles and they hide our frowns. Some of us hide behind invisible masks of our own making to avoid being seen as maybe we think we truly are or maybe we wear them to avoid being hurt. We don't always like what we see in our mind's eyes. And some of us wonder if people would really like us if they knew what we looked like inside and we become really adept at covering ourselves with the I'm fine mask. You know the one where someone comes up to you and say, hey, how you doing, Denny? Oh, I'm fine, I'm great, thank you for asking. Well, folks, You've heard, those of you that have been around have heard bits and pieces of, of my story. I was raised in Lancaster County by godly parents, grandparents, friends who trusted Jesus. They provided a solid Christian upbringing. I went to church Sunday morning and Sunday evening, Sunday school, vacation Bible school, midweek services. In high school, I went to a Youth for Christ club at Warwick High School. Go Warriors. Uh, I even went to a conservative Christian college, two of them to be exact. I had a good life. We weren't wealthy, but I was surrounded by love and family and friends that wanted me to know Jesus. Now I teach some theater classes, and in those classes we talk a lot about something called the mimetic impulse. In other words, we mime what we see others doing. It's how we learn our language. It's how we learn to tie our shoes. We copy, we do, we mime what we see others doing, particularly uh, what our parents and friends do. I knew all the right scripture. I could sing all the choruses. I could say the right words. I knew when to lift my hands in praise, depending on which church I was in. I could smile and say, I'm fine. And for all anyone knew, I was fine. 
I seemed fine. And my family and friends seemed to think I was fine, even during the 70s, that wonderful era of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And did I celebrate? Yes, indeed I did. My 20s were party central. But when I was around my family, my Christian friends, I knew how to put on this nice boy mask. Even when I felt like I was dying on the inside, I knew how to wear a mask. It was safe. Of course, I always had that party boy mask standing by for when I was with my other friends and the gang that I worked with. All that mask wearing got really old. And on the final Sunday in October 1974, I had a come to Jesus moment. I recognized the truth. It wasn't enough for me to know about Jesus. I needed help. I needed a savior. We all do. The Bible tells us in Romans 3.23 that all of us have sinned. And Romans 10.13 reminded me that everyone, me, you included, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I have a question. You don't have to answer this. This is hypothetical. Have any of you noticed that after a week or two of wearing these masks, we got accustomed to wearing them? Have any of you been driving home from a shopping trip or from the bank or work and realized, wow, I forgot to take off my mask? They became part of who we are. We adjusted our breathing, especially if we wear glasses or have allergies. We adjusted our speaking so that we could be clearly understood and heard. They became part of our routine. Now, Jesus had provided salvation when I called out to him, but it wasn't easy for me to quit wearing my masks. In fact, I created a brand new one. I threw myself into doing ministry. <laughs> Yay, me! I started a teen drama ministry. I started working at a church full time. I got licensed to preach. Good grief, I won a national award, a national award for being Youth Leader of the Year. Impressive, huh? And then in August of 1999, I was one of two, count them, two men nominated to be Youth Pastor of the Year by the National Fellowship of Grace Brethren Churches. Big stuff. And I was pleased with myself, proud of myself. I had accomplished a lot. I, 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 me, 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 me. I had polished off that religious ministry mask really well. But four months later, in December of 1999, my finely crafted religious mask was ripped off when I propositioned an undercover policeman. You see, I'd been wearing a lot of different masks for over 40 years. I was leading at least two lives. I had become so comfortable switching masks that they'd become my identities. One as the nationally recognized youth leader, the other as a gay man. Now I need to stop and say that today's message is not about my journey out of a particular lifestyle. If you're interested in that journey, I'll be happy to give you websites of several churches where I talk in length about that journey. But what I want to clearly state today 
is God promises us in Psalm 46.1 that He, God, is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And on December 9th, 1999, I desperately needed help. That morning of December 9th looked pretty good. My life was great. I had grown comfortable with my multi-identity. By six o'clock that evening, my well-constructed facade had been ripped off. I lost everything. My job, my career, trust, friends, reputation, my character, everything was shot. I couldn't breathe. I didn't want to breathe. For weeks, I just wanted to die. And one early evening, as I was driving my car from Lidditz to Mannheim, I started to look at telephone poles in a whole new light. I saw them as a weapon, a way out of my hurt. Kevin, can you play that clip? Yeah. The... Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's amazing, while well, he's setting this up, it's amazing how some of the great works of literature have very definite biblical themes. In this particular piece of literature, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, uh, we see a deformed, unwanted orphan prompted by love to save someone who's equally tarnished. Ready? Ready. I was at a point of desperation. I had failed, absolutely had failed. I had brought shame on a youth group of about 200 kids. I had brought shame on a church family. And I didn't have a Quasimodo swooping down and lifting me above the heads of a jeering crowd. I didn't have a Quasimodo rescuing me from the hurt, pain, humiliation, while shouting sanctuary. I wonder, had you known me then, how would you have responded? Jesus calls on his followers to love God and love others as we would be loved ourselves. I had one leading pastor tell me that I would always be a loser, complete with a hand gesture. One of my youth group parents pulled his family away as I was entering a store and said loudly for my benefit, well, we're getting out of here just in the nick of time. A religious broadcaster on a local radio station used me as a target of his jokes. And let's be honest, I was guilty. Back in the days of Sophocles and Euripides and that golden age of Greek theater, actors wore masks that designated their characters. The common name for these actors was Hippocrates. I think you know what that word relates to today. I was definitely guilty. Uh, but primarily, I was guilty of the original sin, pride. I knew God's word, but I chose to do my own thing. I chose to go my own way. Before that Disney clip, I told you that I was driving and planning suicide. That night, the sky was dark with thunderclouds and they matched my mood. I didn't have hope, there was none left, and there didn't seem to be any way out of the pain. 
except hitting one of those telephone poles. But, excuse me, a still small voice inside my head kept repeating, stop the car, pull over. Kept going, stop the car, pull over. And I pulled into a parking lot, put my head on the steering wheel, and I said, God, I can't do this anymore. And that inner voice said, get out of the car. When I did, I looked to the east, and I kid you not, there was a rainbow that stretched from one part of the heavens to the other. And I remembered words from scripture from God himself. I will never leave you or forsake you. I didn't have a fictional character like Quasimodo looking out for me. I had someone infinitely better. I had the son of man who had been brutally beaten beyond recognition. I had a savior who died the most inhumane death men have ever devised to pay the debt for all my sins. And I had a friend who promises to stick closer than any brother. And I had a refuge, a shelter, a rock that I could depend on. I had a God savior that knew me without any masks and he loved me anyway. And he still does, despite my many failures. Pretty cool, right? But here's something that gets really, 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 really cool, and that's this. Jesus has strategically given each one of us his people gifts and calls on his church to care for each other. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit of Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. Uh, we find out that, that Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, teachers, uh, pastors. And why did he do that? Verse 12 says, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And that passage continues and calls on us to speak the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is head, head of the church, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does his work. Now, we, I, sometimes get a bit nervous when called upon to care for and share with others. I've got a confession, and you, it's probably good you're sitting down for this. Caring for others is difficult for me because, believe it or not, I'm shy and introverted. I'm really uncomfortable when talking with a small group or one-on-one, -on -one, especially with my peers. And I'm afraid that all too often I, and maybe many of us, think that it, it takes big gestures, 
when it comes to serving. Let me tell you about some of the ways that God used very human Quasimodos to minister to me. And believe me, they didn't swing from some Notre Dame cathedral anywhere. <laughs> One of the first was a guy by the name of Abe. I've got to confess, it was incredibly painful for me to continue attending the church that I had failed and where I'd been a youth pastor. But I knew that there were many who would like me to just disappear. But I also determined that it was important for my youth kids to see God continuing his work in my life. And then one Sunday, this farmer by the name of Abe, man I barely knew, walked up to me in the hallway, gave me a bear hug and said, Denny, I still love you, brother. That's all I did. A reminder from 1 John 4, 7, dear friends, we should love each other because love comes from God. It was a family of Quasimodos that came the next Christmas after my big failure. They came caroling from the Longenecker family from Mannheim. We're outside my house singing the Hallelujah Chorus led by Steve Courtney, who's married to one of the Longeneckers. They reminded me that they wanted me to know that they cared. And the words of that gorgeous song reminded me that Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, unchanging. The one who is our refuge, who's my refuge, my strength, your strength, a very present help in time of trouble. And Jesus was my refuge, even outside the convenience store, the only job I could get where I finally found this job. And he was there and I felt his presence when I was standing outside thinking, God, how am I going to do this? And Jesus continued giving me help when I finally found another job working for a bank located at a grocery store in Hershey, Pennsylvania. I was hurting. I was angry. I was angry at the world. I was angry mostly at myself. And it likely showed. You see, with the masks on, my face was revealing a lot of pain and a lot of hurt. And then one Sunday at the bank, another Quasimodo walked up. Steve, a client from the bank, looked at me and said, Denny, I don't know you other than from doing my transactions here at the bank, but I can tell you're hurting. Would you mind if I pray for you? And who does that? <laughs> so, uh, well, at that time, I didn't tell him anything about my past. He didn't know anything about it. But six months later, we got in contact and he volunteered to come alongside and serve as a mentor to me. Another Quasimodo encouraged me in 2015. Uh, that's 15 years gone by, folks. Uh, encouraged me to enroll in, in Living Waters, a program that provides hope for those struggling with relational issues. It was there that I learned the value of James 5.16, which reads, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And a tiny group of men, uh, Rod, Jeff, Eric, Rodney, David, others became partners in that confession and the laying on of prayerful hands. God was using men and women, his church, to love on me and bring restoration. And I might add, is still using the, because Lord knows I still need it. Uh, then there was Pastor Adam, 
another Quasimodo, one of the guys from my former youth group. And he called me out of the blue and invited me to share my story, my journey with his church, which led to another church and another church and to this morning. Quasimodos, flawed men and women who, and they would tell you, were far from perfect themselves and they reached out to me. Many of these individuals were absolutely unaware that their small acts made me and continue to encourage me to be the man who I become and am becoming, the man God intended me to be. In a world that's incredibly broken and hurting, church, how should we respond? I believe Jesus would remind us, love God, love others, love each other. It's a simple message. And he would remind us in Ephesians 4.32, be kind, tender, forgiving others, just as God in Christ forgave us. Or in 1 John 31, 17 to 18, not just talking about love, but doing something. Galatians 6, 9, 10, use every opportunity to do good for others, especially those who are in the household of faith. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage and build each other up in the faith. Romans 15.1, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. And so, gang, I've told you the bare bones of my story, my journey. And as Big Daddy Weave sings, if I told you my story, you would hear hope that wouldn't let go. I told you my story, you would hear love that never gave up. If I told you my story, you would hear about victory over the enemy. I hope in this time this morning that you will recognize that I'm here because of the grace of God that was greater than all my sin, who is greater than all my sins. I can also tell you that I've heard a lot of sermons in my lifetime, and frankly, I can't remember them. <laughs> what I do want you to remember from our time this morning, first and foremost, is that I'm here this morning because of Jesus, his mercy, grace, and incredible patience. And if you've never asked Jesus into your heart, I'd really like to talk to you. And if you're hiding behind masks, it's not worth it. And I'd really love to talk to you. However, I'm also thankful for this, this morning for every imperfect Quasimodo who allowed Jesus to shine through their lives with acts of kindness, even when that kindness was as simple as a hug. I'm wondering, is God calling you to be a Quasimodo today? Father God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your long suffering and the fact that you put up with all my foolishness for all these many years. And thank you for loving me just the same, loving me enough that you died for me. Thank you, Jesus. Use us in the lives of others, I pray. Amen.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.